Welcome in. It is the Bill Michaels show on a Thursday. No bill today. I am Ben Kenny alongside with me. The one and only Zach Heilprin. Zach never speaks to me before the time of at least four o'clock, but he's here. It is 10 o'clock. Zach. Hello. How we doing? Happy Thursday, brother. How are you? I'm doing good. Fantastic. So I I saw today, first of all, today, I think is the 27th sports equinox whatever that, uh, that we have had in our world. <laughs> that is- includes the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, the MLS, and golf. CJ Cup is uh, in South Carolina. And I kind of feel like only a couple of those sports matter. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on, and, and only a little bit of it matters, no doubt. Uh, tonight, you got Thursday night football going on. It is the Saints and the Cardinals. Sunday, the Packers are in Washington in that absolute dump of a stadium, FedEx Field. The way that everybody here craps on Soldier Field, and rightfully so, for the dump that it is, that's kind of uh, what I do with FedEx Field. It's probably the worst sporting establishment I've ever been to. Okay. I'm talking like you get pictures from the press box and there are pillars where they can't see the field. There are the sight lines are terrible. Sewage leaks onto the fans. Railings collapse on quarterbacks. It's horrible. Do you know I've been there? I did not. I've been there. I've been in the press box and the day I went, it was raining. And so inside the press box, it was also raining. The Packers. So in the front, (laughs) in the front row, we weren't getting hit. But behind us, the Packers PR people had to wear rain gear because it was dripping down on their heads the entire game. You're kidding. No. Wow. It's That stadium was built. It was like the first of the new ones after the old uh, stadiums that used to have football and baseball that were all the domes and they're all circular. They were all the same. We started to move towards new stadiums. That was the first one was built. And it is uh, wildly outdated, I guess. It's a piece. So that is disaster number one happening in Washington. Disaster number two obviously has to do with Dan Snyder and everything circling around that organization. Disaster number three might be the Packers offense coming into town. Uh, They are uh, five-point favorites in Washington, which is, I guess, a little surprising given what we've seen. Carson Wentz is out for the commanders. Taylor Heineke will be in at quarterback. Where we're going to start today, and we have a lot to get to, fantasy football coming up at noon. We'll take your calls throughout the day. Uh, a big weekend of football after a terrible, terrible weekend uh, last weekend. Where we're going to start, I guess, uh, can things change in a week? Like where this team is trending for weeks now, pretty much the entire season, they have yet to put a complete game out there. We have seen successful halves. We have seen successful drives. But even so, they come out of halftime, and then the other team gets momentum, like we saw with the Giants, like kind of we saw with Tampa Bay, where the offense just stopped moving forward in the second half there. And as we saw with the Jets, where the Jets just pummeled them into submission. Can things change in a week? Like, Can they go out there? Is it possible uh, to think about a Packers team on Monday where we come on air and say, you know what, maybe they'll be okay. Can things change in a week? Against that front? Against uh, with the offensive line not being able to protect the way that they haven't been able to protect, it's it's difficult to see. Like, what's your confidence level that there's it's going to be different this weekend? Yes, quite low. Yeah, exactly. So could it? Yes. Is it? Probably not. I I would not feel comfortable at all sitting here and saying that this offense is all of a sudden going to break out and look so much different. Now we saw in week one, not great. Week two against Chicago, where you got the the backs involved more, all of a sudden it looks great, but 
it's asking a, I mean it's it's asking a lot for it to be all of a sudden this this great offense but it doesn't need to be great it just needs to score more than 10 points it needs to score 17 20 if they score if they, if they score 20 points they're going to win a lot of games because I think the defense as, as long as you're not leaving them out there for an extended period like they did against the Jets they're going to be able to keep teams in that 20 point range yeah we talk about consist it, it's the consistency thing we had our show on Tuesday, Kenny and Heilprin, talking about Badgers, Michigan State, a disappointing loss, and the story of their season uh, here in Madison is a lack of consistency for the Packers as well, right? Where even when we see good plays from the offense and they start to move, they get to a third down and either Rodgers gets sacked or they go backwards. It's a very timely stuff like that. I saw Dan Orlovsky had a good breakdown on ESPN this morning of some of the plays from the Jets game and they were in great calls, and the play was executed except for one player each time, where one time it was the left guard, one time it was the right guard, one time it was Mercedes Lewis, the tight end, where one block gets missed, everything gets blown up, and we see the game differently. And what's tough for me here is the matchup is kind of a carbon copy of what they faced on Sunday with the Jets. Now, it looks like the Jets are a better team, no doubt, throughout this season. But what is the one thing or one of the two things the commanders are good at? They have a good wide receiver room. It doesn't really matter given the quarterback play. But what's the one thing they're best at is their front. Yeah. So if we go into this game and, and say, okay, we need 20 touches for Aaron Jones, I likely, I don't know, 18 carries for Jones, another five to six receptions, get A.J. Dillon involved, hope he is playing better than he has. Even so, that's going right into what the commanders do well. If it was in a vacuum and I hadn't had seen what we've seen from the Packers so far, I would say, okay, this is a game where Rodgers slings it around. This is where the ball's out quick. You take advantage of the secondary. You get the tight end involved. The issue is I, they've tried to do that most of the season and kind of neglected the running back room, and it hasn't worked at all. So I, I approach this game. I don't know what I want to see. I, competence, well, that really is it. That's the thing. And th- I think the biggest question is what do they do along the offensive line? Because they can't continue to throw out the same group, right? They have they have some opportunities here to move some guys around and potentially put out a, a group that maybe is better suited. Perhaps Elton Jenkins uh, back at guard, whether it's at left guard or right guard. Zach Tom or, or Yash Nyman at, at right tackle. Like what do, Royce Newman can't be on the field right now. Like Royce Newman can't block anybody. He can't be on the field at this point. So uh, if... If that's the case, then you have to move some guys around. And I think it was um, like just get Elton Jenkins in, a, in in his best spot, which is probably guard, and figure something else out at right tackle. You can't be having Yash Nyman, who I believe they believe, think is among their top ten, or actually, excuse me, their top five offensive linemen, sitting on the bench doing nothing. He proved to be a valuable commodity at left tackle. Get him on the field in a different way, especially when you know Elton Jenkins can play a bunch of different spots. Brian Bulaga was on a radio show this week and said, yeah, he wants to see Elton Jenkins go back to guard. He wants to see Yash get on the field. I I believe he said left guard uh, and put him next to to David Bakhtiari. And then you have a really extremely strong side of the line. Yeah. And and then you move Runyon to right. I, I wonder as an outsider, and there probably is an answer to this. I just don't know what it is. I wonder as an outsider how tough it would be, you know, in one week you say, okay, Runyon, now you're going to the right. And Jenkins, I I know, can make that move because he's moved all over. But when it comes to a younger guy like Runyon, would it work there at right guard instantly or would it take some time? I mean, one big story when it comes to that is Adam Stenovich is the offensive coordinator. 
Like we talked about coaching changes and Hackett goes and Getsy goes and they bring in Tom Clements and Basaccia comes in to coach special teams. The fact that Stenovich, I, I assume he still works with the line, I figure, but they have Butkus in there coaching the line and, and clearly the returns have been negative so far. So I, it's kind of like a Badger situation right now where they've been so inconsistent up there and it's really been a detriment to the team. Usually I would look at a very talented Packers O-line group as I did all off season. And as I've done for the Badgers as well forever and say, okay, you know, they'll figure it out. They figured it out in the past. They have good players there, but after what we've seen from the team so far, I, that's not an area of confidence at all. What are you confident in right now? Th- th- that's the problem. And it's the exact same thing. And I know, I mean, which one's a Cobb Car- and of the other team? I don't know. But the inconsistency and the lack of an identity with the, with the two football teams that call Wisconsin home at this point is very noticeable. Like, you can't sit here and say they do this great, they do that great. They know they can count on this. There's just not the, – the, that is not – that doesn't exist right now. And so it's very, very hard, I, th- I think, especially – I'm specifically talking about the offense, but it's very hard to build – a game plan around not knowing exactly what's going to work for you. They are identity lists. You ask, what are we confident in? I would say absolutely nothing. Yeah. There are specific players that have been playing really well, but unit wise, like Rashawn Gary has been a beast, Yeah, but has the front been good enough to counteract Joe Barry's scheme on the back end? No, clearly Bailey Zappi was throwing the ball all over a bit for the Patriots. Uh, you can look across the each room and say, okay, they have had players that play really well, but overall, obviously, it's not working. They're three and three. Something I want to get to later is how the three and three record feels because there are a bunch of three and three teams in this league, and I want to go through them because they all feel different, right? Like some of them feel better than the record. Some of them feel significantly worse. I'm not saying the Packers feel significantly worse, but you look through the record, and as time goes on and we get more information on the games, like we can look back to the Bucks game and in the moment it's like, okay, you won in Tampa, you won on the road. That's a good win. Hard to win in this league, all those cliches. But then when you see what happens against the New York teams and as we go forward, it's like, okay, then those wins feel like more of the trend of this team isn't very good than necessarily that was a good team and they just found a way to win. Well, if we remember back to what we were talking about after those games, it was, yeah, we, it's a win, but we can't really count on winning like this the entire year. Right. I mean, that that was the conversation that we were having after those games. Aaron Rodgers was asked about it. Uh, The only thing I think we can count on, Ben, is uh, someone coming out after the game when Aaron Jones touches the ball. 11 times me like, yeah, we got to get Aaron Jones some more carries. Got to get him the ball. <laughs> got to get him the ball. Gotta get that's him the that's ball. not acceptable. That's not acceptable. 11, oh. 11 touches, not acceptable. You said that you said that after almost every game that he doesn't touch the ball enough. And it's not, it, and it's, but, it's not something that anybody else controls except for you, the coach and the quarterback say that. Yes. And who are the two people that decide what play they run and who gets the football, the coach and then the quarterback. Right. And let's be fair about it. Probably the quarterback more than the coach. Yeah. I, Based uh, in this current relationship. Yes. All of the powers in their hands, no doubt. So, yeah, we'll get into all that. We're going to get into the simplification stuff. Some good stats on the athletic a piece coming out today about what's worked and what hasn't worked for this Packers offense. Also a clip I want to play. I'll do it when we come back. Rogers uh, on a podcast this offseason when he was speaking about LaFleur's offense, his love for the West Coast system. Kind of kind of shows you how this team is falling flat. Rob Reichel had a good piece on the Packers' identity. We will touch on that as well. Uh, 
a lot to come. Fantasy football at noon. And then, Zach, something that I was thinking about yesterday, and I had a tweet that kind of made the rounds. Uh, this time, not for a very negative reason, which, you know, is a first for a little while. Uh, Brian Gutekunst is a time to maybe question his job this offseason and some of the moves he has made. Not questioning his job, questioning what he did. Correct. Okay. Questioning yeah. the job he has done. Yeah, you got to yeah. be specific there because you're not saying you're not calling for them to fire him. No. Okay. Questioning some of the decisions and wondering how he could have done a better job building this team. I, and, uh, and I saw your tweet about what this team would look like if they took the two other and it I got some comments on it. Yeah. So uh, provocative, I would say, as always. There are uh, there are people on both sides, uh, many of whom are still coming at me for said tweet. It's at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter. <laughs> he is at Zach Heilprin. A lot is to come today. 877-867-770. That is the number to get a hold of the program. We could take your calls coming up. What I wanted to do before we stepped away and took a break is this matchup with the commanders. I It has come after, and you may forget about this, because two Thursdays ago, maybe it was last... One week ago today, it was last Thursday, Commanders had that horrible game against the Bears and a game where both jerseys were way too orange. I'm questioning, I'm questioning you right now. Why? You talked about how much you loved, in the same exact state, a few days earlier than that, the 9-6 to six game between Iowa and Illinois, and now you're taking shots at the Thursday night game that was 12 to what? What, was it, what did it end up being? Well, I'm catering to the fan base here. 12, I myself, 12 to what? 12 to 9, 12 to 10. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody thought it was a terrible game. I enjoyed watching it because there was a lot of suspense at the end. It was low <laughs> scoring. It was a tough, physical, hard-nosed football game with terrible quarterback play. That's what I'm into. But I know nobody else is. I'm <laughs> catering to the people here. Ron Rivera spoke after the game, and many have been coming at Carson Wentz. And he had made comments that, you know, his quarterback position hasn't been really – they haven't had the best situation in that quarterback room going into this season. So he went on this rant because they kept asking him uh, after the Dan Snyder stuff and how is that as a distraction? He talks about his quarterback and it brought me back to a very famous coach post game press conference moment. First, here's Ron Rivera. No, what's important is these guys, okay? For the last couple of weeks, honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak my mind for a second. For Honestly, uh, it's been hard. It really has. You lose four games in a row, and everybody wants to get you, you know, just get on you. And they've played their asses off. They have. They've played their asses off for everybody. They come out, and they show up. They work hard, all right? They don't complain, okay? They hear all this stuff, and they got to deal with it. I get that, and I respect them for that because they're resilient. They come back. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I don't want anything to do with Carson. Well, I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking when we were at Indianapolis, okay? And that's what pisses me off because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. Zach Hyoprin, do you know what that brought me back to? Um, there's a lot of choices here. Is it is it about a quarterback or just no? No. Okay, then Denny Green. No, it brought me back. I was nine years old. It brought me back to the, I'm a man, I'm 40. And oh. not necessarily for the specific message, but for the general tone. Gotcha. And, you know, stop coming at my guys, come at me, whatever. Sure. That kind of deal. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yep. So I did some research yesterday mm. while I was making picks on the Bill Michaels huddle. And that's Oklahoma State. It was 2007, September 22nd, 15-year uh, anniversary passed last month. 
somehow Gundy is still there. I don't know how he's lasted that long. A Brian Ferentz, a true Brian Ferentz, or Kirk uh, Ferentz situation. I was going to say, it is not a Brian Ferentz situation. Mike Gundy's actually been successful. Yes. Uh, well, Kirk Ferentz, that's what I meant. He has been successful for the most part yes. at Iowa. Yeah. And the next week after said rant, when the team had lost, they came back and they beat Sam Houston State 38-3. to And I just found that information. The commanders are five-point underdogs, and... That brought me to my pick against the spread uh, last night that I thought the commanders would cover. And I hope I'm wrong, but I don't I don't know how I go into this game after Ron Rivera goes on said rant and blows up in front of the media and not expect Taylor Heineke to come out with some energy. I'll be honest. I like Taylor Heineke better than I do. Carson Wentz. Oh, so do I. So much more. (laughs) I mean, he brings I think he he brings a little bit more. He right on the on right on the goal line of, of beating Green Bay last year uh, on a fourth down. I mean, it wasn't the last play of the game or anything like that, but there was a fourth down call that could have gone either way. They almost beat him in, at Lambeau last year. Yeah. Taylor Heineke has some juice, no doubt. Uh, it's also an all-time name that people will mispronounce. Heineke. 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 Yes. But it's a Heine with a key. I've heard many pronounce it wrong. So, uh, yeah, Taylor Heineke under center for the Commanders. The Packers are five-point favorites in that absolute dump FedEx field outside of Washington, D.C. We're going to step away, 877-867-1670. That's how you get a hold of the program. Can everything change in a week? That is how we started the show. As we go along, when we return, a clip from Aaron Rodgers on a podcast this offseason and where the Packers' offense stands, what they do well, what has worked, what has not worked, and what maybe we could see change this weekend and going forward, that is next. He is Zach Heilprin. I'm Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Bill Michael Show. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin. Bill will be back tomorrow, 877-867-1670. Zach and I, again, live, Monk's Bar and Grill, 5 to 6 tonight as well, talking Badgers. If you want to come say hello, if you want to listen as a podcast, that'll be up after conclusion. I was going to say, obviously, with the network, there are Monk's locations around the state. Yes. Uh, we got one in downtown uh, Dells. You got one in Eau Claire. You got one at the Wilderness. There's one in Middleton, obviously, and in Plover. So along with the one that we are at every week, every Thursday, uh, in some prairie. So if you're not in some prairie or in the Madison area, you can still get to a Monks because they are uh, a bunch of different places all over the state. Yep. Place is great. Happy hour going on until 7. Drink deals, appetizer deals, all beer. that good stuff. Mm. Beer. A lot of beer. All right, Zach. So... The Packers are three and three, and I was going through the rest of the NFL because last Sunday was was a, a weird day for me. wasn't able to watch much of action around the league aside from the Packers game, and so the team sits at three and three. And if I'm not mistaken, in 2010 they sat at four and four. Correct? After the first eight weeks of that year, pretty sure they're three and three that year too. But yeah, yeah, I mean. They- Yes. Same idea of record, a slow start out of the gates, and that team obviously went on and won a Super Bowl. Three and not every three and three is made the same, right? Like in college yeah. football, 
when a team is on to their third or fourth loss, you have a sense generally of what kind of team they are. Sometimes they play a crazy schedule, but most of the time you go, okay, that's a four loss team. They're okay. They're not great in the NFL. That's so different uh, because week in week out upsets happen, narrow losses or narrow wins that should have been losses happen. The question is, is this team better or worse through six weeks than three and three? Because the revisionist history, like you could go back and say, okay, at the time of the Bucks game, we came away saying, okay, that's a good win. It's a tough win. They beat Brady. They won- Aaron Rodgers never wins in Florida. That was a, a, a good, solid win. However, after the weeks following, you could say, oh, well, we see the same offensive struggles we saw in that game. Tampa has lost another game to the Steelers. They're banged up. Uh, the defense has started to struggle afterwards. Like there, there are a lot of things we kind of see in hindsight looking back. Uh, do you think this team is closer to a deep in the playoff Super Bowl caliber team like 2010 was with the same record or closer to, say, a poor record that I maybe could easily be, what, two and four uh, or one, four, and whatever. That could be worse. You look at the talent that was on offense in 2010, and it's slightly different than what is on the field right now. I mean, you look in 2010, you had, you had Greg Jennings, you had Donald Driver, you had uh, James Jones, you had Jordy Nelson, you had uh, some of those guys got hurt. Obviously, they, they lost a tight end to Michael Finley, but there's the talent on that offense. Um, is different than what they have on on this offense. So can they turn it around? Maybe. But they also had field tilters on, on the defensive side of the ball with, with Clay Matthews, B.J. Raji, and uh, obviously Nick Collins and, and Charles Woodson and a, a young Tremont Williams that had that really came into his own. Is it possible that they could they could become that team? Maybe. That team was just drilled by injuries. I mean, they, they ended up with like 15 or 16 guys on the season-ending injury reserve and lost a lot of key guys. But um, do I think they're closer to that or closer to a team that is not going to make a run and not make the playoffs? I probably would say they're closer to that. But it's it's very revisionist history to go back and, and think about that team in 2010. A lot of people thought the season was over when they lost to New England late in that year. Like, they... It was not looking good for them to even make the playoffs. They got hot at the exact right time, and, and Aaron Rodgers played out of his mind. That's And the defense played really, really well. Can Aaron Rodgers come back and play out of his mind at some point later this year, and can the defense live up to what we all expected in the offseason? Absolutely. Yeah, again, we got to get Hal Barkish on the line. He's got to say something. <laughs> He's got to get Rodgers going. Does uh, like trading a one for DJ Moore from Carolina do no, that? No, no. It doesn't move the needle. It doesn't move the needle for me. I don't. I, maybe it moves it for some people. Uh, so, some other people. It doesn't move it for me. Yeah. A first round pick. I mean, or a two, or just the acquisition that's, that's of DJ thing, Moore like, in general. We've seen Brian Gutekunst, and going back to Ted Thompson, the value that they place on those draft picks is just enormous, and it's it's rare that they're trading those things away for players elsewhere. Which where I sit today, it's like that draft pick. You're going to get a player. Hopefully, is really good. But will he actually make an impact while Aaron Rodgers is here? Likely not. So, I mean, let's just push it all in because you're kind of screwed when Rodgers retires anyway, right? Well, I saw, the, I saw the source that said Aaron Rodgers is definitely leaving, right? Oh he's he's definitely done. He's definitely done. That's the source from multiple sources. 
Uh, uh, what was that kid's name? Per per league sources, I'm not <laughs> going to say the name, but some Twitter account. <laughs> this dude that just he tweets things with the picture of the player. So like sources tell me Christian McCaffrey is going to get traded tomorrow. Like it's things like that, and he tweets it out with the picture. And because he got a blue check mark from somewhere, people think it's real. And yeah, you like should get that taken away. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> All right, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Let's go to the phones. Mike from Madison, what's up? Hey guys, uh, I got a quick question. I mean, do you, even if they had cap space and money to to go get somebody to, that like that would help, yeah. Do you think anybody wants to jump into the dumpster fire, knowing that it's in uh, pre rebuild? I mean, they're not they're not good. Period. They're they're a couple minutes away from being one in five. Well, and, uh, well, I think and, part of that is, like, let's say the guy they trade for, it's not as if they're trading for him and then he's staying for 10 years, right? And maybe, like, let's say a guy's in Carolina. DJ Moore, I'll use as an example. Carolina's, I mean, the biggest dumpster fire ever. They just fired their head coach. I would assume someone who wants to win, wants to play with a great quarterback, would want to come to Green Bay. And then I also, and, I, and I doubt he would be signed long-term. It's not going to be extended. It's not going to be extended because he's only got, I and mean, I think Rodgers is going down. I mean, I, I think he's got his foot halfway out the door. I, the way he's throwing passes and the way he looks. I mean, he, then that goes back to last year in the last two games. I mean, I don't know. He looked great last year. He also like for, for what it's worth. And this games. is, this is maybe reading into it, but he sounds very engaged. When he's speaking with the media, when he's talking about is still I, loving it, I he sounds engaged. He, he's selling it. He's selling it. I think. Uh, I, I just feel. I just feel that uh, he's got maybe two years in him, and who's gonna who's gonna go on to extended, uh, you know, for for that with with Rogers with what they got to work with, even if he stays for two years, and then if he does, it's in a pre rebuild, and, and and when Rogers gone, they're gonna have a. a down a couple of years anyway. There's, it's going to be worse. Yeah, I mean, they would be around for Rodgers' time with the team. Like, if you trade for a guy, he's here the rest of this year. You would hope Rodgers comes back next season, and they're still here next season. And then afterwards, you're kind of in a situation where you're you're not tearing it down, but you're seeing whatever quarterback situation you have coming up next. I would only want him around when Rodgers is here. Like, this is the window you have. You have to go maximize it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I hope, I hope you're right. You know, I, I'm kind of drinking it all uh, half, half empty, uh, but it, it, it's cost syrup. You know, it just tastes <laughs> like crap. I got so. you. Uh, I, I hope the Badgers aren't also a, uh, a drink you're drinking recently. Yeah, that's, I mean, crap. <laughs> they drive me to drinking. That's you know, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna. Where, where's Bill Michaels today? I uh, I hope he's not doing a Pella commercial uh, and singing like the the cringy commercials she's got on uh, the radio with um, Pauscher and Bill is off today. Bill's oh, off today. Well, he's back tomorrow. I hope I hope he's some not stuff doing a Pella do. commercial. I got you. I, and I appreciate you know? it, Mike. So, Thank you. Yep. Bye. All right. Eight seven seven eight six seven. 1670. Has there ever been a season, Wisconsin or Packers, that has driven people to drink as much as this season has for both teams? Man. And there are. It's been rough. I like to connect things because I think it helps us explain what goes on. Just generally, when we look back in in the history books, when we look across whatever league, baseball, basketball, football, 
they're they're almost a carbon copy of each other. Yeah. Where each team, Badgers, Packers, has had good moments that make you think, oh, you know, they if they put it together, they could really be something. Both teams have really good players at a bunch of positions, but both are just destroyed by horrible inconsistency. Yeah. Part of that's up front. Badgers are hurt by a little more inconsistent quarterback play than the Packers are, I'd say. I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but defensively, like, ugh, they're the same team right now. Yeah. Uh, 2018 was actually quite bad as well. Uh, when Wisconsin started in the year in the top five or top 10 and, you know, finished the season playing in Yankee Stadium at the Pinstripe Bowl and, and the other team fired their head coach. So, uh, I mean, maybe maybe this is on that level. Um, it started out about this bad as well for for Green Bay that year, and the Packer and the Badgers obviously struggled as well. So maybe this is maybe this is a, a repeat of 2018, and just in terms of driving people to drink. But um, very similar teams, very very similar. That was teams. the start of the Jack Cone era, though. It was a horrible start to the Jack Cone era. Do you remember? You don't remember? Well, it's the, tough. The Northwestern game was. I remember. Horrendous. I remember like it was yesterday. Well, he was thrust in there before he was ready because because Mister Hornibrook went down. He did. He had a concussion. We're still not sure where he got that concussion. <laughs> All right. Eight, seven, why does it matter? Says Paul Chris. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. That's not my problem. It's not my problem. Let's go back to the phones. Line four. You're on the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? Uh, Mike got a cut of Hello. What's going on, man? What's on your mind? Well, what's on my mind are a couple things. Uh, the last time we won a Super Bowl was when Rodgers was probably like 20, I don't know, 25, 26 years old. He's, what, 38? This line, offensive, defensive lines, are they're horrible. And if they get another receiver, that's what the OTAs are before the season even started. Rodgers didn't show up for those, by the way. So that, this is on him because he didn't get acquainted with his new rookie receivers. That's the problem. He's playing catch-up. Yeah, it's hard so to I, I, it's hard to argue. I do wonder generally. Like let's say they bring in a trade for a wide receiver or a Will Fuller from the free agent market. How long does it take for that rapport to build with Rodgers? And I hope it's instant, it. but given history, I wonder if it'll take a couple weeks. Well, triple that, 6 weeks. And by that time, you know, it's a little a little bit too late. I mean, the we won games without Devontae Adams. All of a sudden, Devontae Adams isn't here, and we're not winning games because of these receivers. You can't you can't throw these rookie receivers in the fire. That's why they have OTs. Rodgers did not show up, and now he's reaping the benefits because he did not show up. I got you. Well, I also think back to the Arizona game last year, Thursday night, no Devontae. Mm-hmm. Rodgers is playing, and Lazard was the one. I believe MVS might have been playing. I need to go back and check. But the ball was out fast. The offensive line played well. Aaron Jones had a day. They end up winning that football game. It's very possible without Devontae. You just need the line to play well. You need the quarterback to play well. You need to give the ball to the running back as well. You need to depend on your running game. You got to go to that until they get everything up to snuff with the receivers. That's the problem. They got to stick with. They got two two of the great greatest back tandems in the uh, NFL. They got to use what they have until they can get everybody on par with with routes and stuff. But I'm telling you right now, because Rodgers didn't show up for OTAs, this is the problem we have right now. And remember, we have one less preseason game, which counts. It's 17 games now, so really they're just getting started. But it may be a little bit too late. Yeah. Okay. I mean, none of them and played in the preseason anyway. No, but that's so, what I'm saying. There's, I got there's you. a disconnect here. I got you. Appreciate the phone call, man. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the OTA thing has been talked about a lot. 
it's I it's hard to argue, but I will say, like it's not on Rodgers that Sammy Watkins hasn't played this season, and Christian Watson is injured, and Randall Cobb's injured. Like it, they've also been decimated, and again, the line has been really tough. Where Dan Orlovsky did a breakdown, and I'll retweet it at Ben Z Kenny. That shows they're in the right looks, and guys are open. But one little thing, one guard gets beat to the inside. One tight end can't seal a block, and it destroys what would be a 30-yard gain. Yeah. Like it, Every level of the offense is struggling right now. That's why they were talking about execution. Like It literally is often one single guy, play gets blown up. So that's not uh, – this whole struggles, it's not all on OTAs. It's on the fact that right, for whatever reason, suddenly this team forgot how to play offense. The receivers available to the Aaron Rodgers that night in, uh, in Phoenix were Juwan Winfrey, Randall Cobb, Equinemia St. Brown, and Amari Rodgers. EQ and Amari Rodgers. Can we get Amari Rodgers in a little Ty Montgomery role, or will Rodgers not even hand him the ball? Can we just get Amari Rodgers? Yeah. That was a poor pick. Did you know? I, this is my one piece of, of bar trivia, bar fun fact. So, Aren't you in a trivia league? Yeah, tonight we are getting oh, demolished. I I know <laughs> my knowledge is not functional. Like, I don't have any functional knowledge. Is it sports knowledge or is it just not, like is it general knowledge? Well, their sports knowledge has to do with like, oh, uh, what's the one sport in 1930 Olympics where this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, something in England. It's not actually about American sports that have happened in my lifetime. Um, but Amari Rogers' dad, T. Martin. Yeah. Did you know that he was one of the six quarterbacks drafted ahead of Tom Brady? I did know that. Did you also know that he was the last quarterback to uh, take Tennessee to a national title? Yes. Uh, he did it the year after Peyton Manning left. Rocky Top. Rocky Top. Hot time to be a Tennessee fan. All right, we got to step away, take a quick break. That's Zach Heilprin. I'm Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.